and welcome to this week's episode of Macabre for Mortals. I hope that you all enjoyed the first episode with the introduction to narcissistic personality disorder. Usually when recording my second episode, I usually have some feedback on how the series is going, but I'm recording this episode straight after the first one because today I have the luxury of time. In the last episode of the series, so the third episode, I will have more of a clear picture of what you think of the information and if there's any burning questions that I can answer since I haven't quite finished writing that last episode yet. So if you do have anything, please feel free to drop me an email and I'll see whether I can squeeze something in that last episode for you. So this week's episode, I will be discussing the ties between crime and narcissistic personality disorder, uh, what the links are, whether there's anything that we can directly see, and whether there's anything that can be seen in research as well. So let's dive in. What do Jim Jones, OJ Simpson and Ted Bundy all have in common? They were charismatic, charming, and had the ability to influence almost anyone. They also demonstrated specific characteristics associated with malignant narcissism. Malignant narcissism, as I mentioned in the last episode, is known as a mixture of narcissism and antisocial personality disorder. They lack empathy and often live in grandiose fantasies that compete with reality. If the fantasies are revealed as such, the afflicted person may become hostile with high levels of rage. As we discussed in the last episode as well, malignant narcissism is not an individual diagnosis in the DSM. Rather, it is a subset of narcissistic personality disorder. As well as having symptoms of a narcissistic personality disorder, a person with malignant narcissism also displays paranoia. Jim Jones suffered from paranoia, paranoid delusions, especially during the last days of his cult. When he first became obsessed with the CIA, Jim Jones began his search for the promised land. By instilling his fear into the minds of his followers, he was able to control large groups of people and ultimately leading them to their death. Since the personality of a malignant narcissist cannot tolerate any criticism, paranoia is usually stemmed from being mocked. Oftentimes, they will inflict paranoia in others by preaching highly controlled ideologies. Usually, these are at least somewhat fabricated to tailor the needs of the narcissist. Religion and philosophy are two categories that they often gravitate towards. Pathological lying is another obvious trait of malignant narcissism. Ted Bundy lied about his killings to various professionals, but not to be considered innocent. For example, he told one psychologist that he started killing women in 1974, but later he said that the killing started in 1969. At one point, Bundy said that there were 35 victims in all, but in another setting, he claimed over 100. 
The criminal investigation reports that Ted Bundy seemed to be lying to impress people rather than to avoid jail. Many times he said the deaths of the women he killed were higher than the victims reported. Pathological lying can be much more subtle than in Ted Bundy's case. The term gaslighting is, is often used when someone denies another person's reality to purposely manipulate them into feeling insane. This is something that we actually just discussed in my domestic violence series. This is another tactic frequently used in both malignant narcissists and general narcissists with narcissistic personality disorder. Perhaps the most terrifying symptom of a malignant narcissism is the lack of empathy that is required to carry out this behavior. OJ Simpson frequently called his wife fat while she was pregnant. This was explained with the charisma of someone who is just joking around. Looking closer, this was not an isolated incident. He frequently beat his wife, as well as publicly humiliated her by having affairs. When his wife was murdered, he seemed uninterested in his children, focusing more on himself. It is hard to prove that someone does not have empathy, especially if that person is highly charismatic. Someone with lack of empathy may demonstrate kind facial or body language while simultaneously hurting another person. Because of the contrast in what is being said versus what is being done, many people can feel as if they are losing their mind. The warning signs of involvement with someone who may be afflicted are as follows. One, success at any cost. A close inspection of past relationships may show failure to treat people kindly for the promise of grandiose yet superficial success. Beware of flaunted expenses, especially if there are a lack of people to share in the enjoyment. Two, narcissists may be hypersexual, often in relation to power and control. Incest is frequently reported as well as a lack of regard for partner and boundaries. Three, incessant blaming. Lack of personal responsibility is a keen sign. Often a narcissist will play the victim even when he or she has hurt someone else. Four, violence. Since our ego is so fragile to begin with, any criticism received feels like an attack. They fight back much harder than was what stole out. Someone who uses violence frequently demonstrates lack of impulse control and may also have multiple addictions. And number five, manipulation. Pitting people against one another for the ultimate goal of loyalty is often used by narcissists. In this case, loyalty often means isolation. I'm just touching on a few of them because I think they are relevant to the three main people who I mentioned at the start, Jim Jones, OJ Simpson, and Ted Bundy, as I think they actually showed all five of those warning signs. These three people who had these traits, 
I honestly don't think that any treatment for their narcissistic, narcissistic personality disorder would have helped because they didn't believe that they were the problem at all. Violent criminals and common are claiming an extreme form of narcissism can help explain their criminal behavior and have been using it to apply for sentencing discount before the courts. Narcissistic personality disorder has been accepted as a mitigating factor in a number of high-profile criminal trials around the country, including the murder of renowned interior designer Stuart Rattle. Some psychiatrists say sufferers possess a heightened sense of self-importance and entitlement, which can result in the exploitation of others to attain an unrealistic lifestyle. The acceptance of the narcissistic personality disorder diagnosis as a legitimate mitigating factor in criminal trials follows intense debate among psychiatrists about the validity of the disorder and how it influences behaviour. Victims of Crime Commissioner Greg Davis expressed concern some accused criminals were rotting the justice system by exploiting such conditions to justify their behaviour. It does seem extremely convenient when we have people being diagnosed with these conditions immediately after they've been charged with an offence. If someone is going to claim that a psychological complaint was somehow responsible for their behaviour, I think it's reasonable to expect them to provide history of treatment to demonstrate that they suffer from a, legit a legitimate condition, he said. In one high-profile case in early 2015, Michael O'Neill received a reduced sentence in part due to testimony about his mental state that was diagnosed after he bashed, strangled, concealed, and eventually burned the body of his partner, Stuart Rattle. After his arrest, a private psychologist found O'Neill, who had no record of prior mental illness or treatment, had dependent personality disorder with prominent features of narcissistic personality disorder. Supreme Court Justice Elizabeth Hollingworth ruled O'Neill's personality disorders played some role in the crime and reduced his mortal moral culpability. The circumstances in which you killed Mr. Rattle, including the history of the relationship and your fragile psychological state, mean that the sentence to be imposed for the murder must be towards the lower end of the range for that offence, Justice Hollingwood found. In May 2015, serial conman Rocco Calabrese, who has been more, who has had more than three dozen convictions for fraud, and owes the Australian tax office almost $19 million, received an 18-month prison sentence in the county court after pleading guilty to a new string of financial crimes. Over his criminal career, Calabrese was diagnosed after being charged with depressed mood disorder, reactive agitated depressive disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, avoidant personality disorder, and following his most recent arrest, narcissistic personality disorder. The court heard that Calabrese's personality disorders played a pivotal role in his offending, as he felt a need to pass himself off as a successful businessman, despite his repeat professional failures. I accept that you have a proclivity to engage in delusional and grandiose thinking and behaviour, 
which impaired your ability to make calm and rational choices or to think clearly at the time of offending, Judge Howard Mason said. I accept that your psychological condition moderates, but does not eliminate the need for application of the principles of specific and general deterrence. Police have expressed frustration, narcissistic, uh, narcissistic personality disorder, as being accepted as a justification for committing financial crimes. Everyone would like to have and live a lavish lifestyle, but they have to go out and work for it instead of committing crimes to get what they want, a police source said. Despite first being identified as a personality disorder in 1980, court records show that narcissistic personality disorder and narcissistic behaviour has only begun to regularly appear as a mitigating factor in Australian criminal trials in the past five years. However, narcissistic personality disorder was nearly removed from the latest edition of the American Psychiatric Bible, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, over concerns about its validity as a distinct mental disorder. Psychologist Therese Barry said personality disorders such as narcissistic personality disorder was a mental disorder but not a mental illness. Personality disorders tend to be lifelong and are deeply ingrained ways for a person to operate in the world. And there is really no effective treatment for the narcissistic personality disorder unlike mental illnesses such as depression, anxiety, for example, which can be treated effectively. A prominent solicitor who asked to remain anonymous said, raising narcissistic personality disorder as a mitigating factor could be risky. It's rare I'd put a psychological report with that diagnosis up for consideration. It's a condition that suggests the client has a poor prospect of rehabilitation. Frank Quinlan, Chief of Mental Health Australia, also cautioned that there was no causal connection between criminal activity and mental illness. One in five Australians will suffer from mental illness in their lifetime, but one in five Australians are not criminals, he said. It's also important to note that the mentally ill are more likely to be the victims of crime rather than the perpetrators. Narcissism has also been rejected as an explanation by some criminals themselves. In diagnosing convict drug manufacturer Anthony Paduas, a psychologist found his cyclical state of offending was tied to the lack of recognition Patronus had received from the world. He perceives himself as important, superior and unique, and expects others to recognise him as such. He may often feel cheated by the world and others who fail to recognise his importance. His resentment is further fueled by the lack of the lavish lifestyle, money and creature comforts he is believed he is entitled to, the psychologist testified. However, Mr. Patronus said, that's rubbish. When reading this, it was largely related to Australian crimes, just because this is what I wanted to bring it back to where I am situated at the moment. I am more in the mindset to believe that the last offender, Anthony Patronis, 
actually has narcissistic personality disorder because he doesn't actually think that he has it. Where the others who do think that they have it, as we learned from the last episode, probably don't. As a narcissistic personality disorder, the person who is suffering from it usually doesn't think that there's anything wrong with them. I found a study that was conducted in 2013 that looked into narcissism and empathy in young offenders and non-offenders, and it definitely opened my eyes to the links between the two. As we know, the world's prisons are overcrowded and occupancy rates are over 100% of official capacity in Australia, Britain and the USA, and many other countries. Evidently, this level of criminal behaviour impacts negatively on society. Moreover, approximately half of those released from prison reoffend within a year. The ability to recognise at-risk individuals before they commit offences would enable authorities to target and tailor interventions. Thus, it is useful to identify key individual difference variables that predict offending. Next to socio-demographic factors and mental capacity, personal personality variables are especially relevant. In the article, they examined the personality trait of narcissism. They tested whether dimensional trait narcissism or narcissistic personality disorder symptoms best distinguish offenders from non-offenders, and they explored the mediating role of empathy in this link. In doing so, they hope to improve the understanding of personality risk factors, as well as inform the design and targeted delivery of offender programs. A promising candidate is narcissism. As we discussed in the last episode, narcissistic personality disorder has been mooted as one of the disorders characterizing offenders, but prevalence rates are very low. In contrast, narcissistic personality traits are prevalent in the general population. Trace narcissism entails a grandiose, inflated self-image and desire for power, coupled with the sense of entitlement and lack of regard for others. That is, although narcissistic individuals depend on other people's praise and respect to feed their ego, they lack communal motivation and fail to consider the effect that, the effect that they have on others. Accordingly, narcissism is associated with antisocial characteristics such as low empathy, exploited, exploited, exploitativeness, gosh, get my tongue around that one, and aggressive reactions to threat. Together, these characteristics may predispose narcissistic individuals to a range of criminal behaviours by increasing motivation to gain resources or power and by decreasing regard for conventional social consequences. Entitlement and exploitativeness are the most socially toxic or maladaptive ingredients of narcissism and so should relate to most closely to criminality. Although the relation between narcissistic personality disorder and trait narcissism remains unclear, research indicates that both constructs share antagonistic characteristics. But trait narcissists are more extroverted, emotionally stable, and psychologically healthy. 
Thus far, most studies examining narcissism and criminal behavior have used clinical measures. Binkel, Schnigel, Fassbender and Klein in 2006 found that ex-managers incarcerated for white collar crimes endorsed more narcissistic personality disorder symptoms than current managers with no criminal history. Blackburn and Coyden in 1999 reported that violent male offenders diagnosed with antisocial narcissistic personality disorder clusters had more extensive criminal careers. And Vaughan et al. in 2008 shows that narcissistic type items in short form of the psychopathic personality inventory correlated with arrests and assaults with a weapon in the past two years. And finally, Johnson et al. in 2000 found that narcissistic personality disorder symptoms in early adolescence predicted violent criminal behavior in mid-adolescence and early adulthood. Trait narcissism has primarily been examined in community samples. For example, Barry Frick, Adler and Grafman in 2007 established that adolescents higher on the maladaptive narcissistic traits reported engaging in more delinquent acts and having more contact with police over the following three years. In the only study, to my knowledge, to assess trait narcissism in convicted offenders, Bushman and Boyermeister 2002 compared 63 violent offenders to baseline scores in published literature. Violent offenders had higher narcissism, but not higher self-esteem than the baseline. However, this study only included violent criminals and the baseline samples had unknown criminal histories. Thus the association between trait narcissism and criminal behavior is not fully understood. So this is actually a timely question because evidence indicates that levels of trait narcissism are increasing in Western society with a 30% rise in the past 30 years. And patterns also suggest that an increase in Eastern culture, thus where narcissistic personality disorder is relatively rare disorder, trait narcissism is highly prevalent. If trait narcissism leads to criminal behavior, its increase in society should cause concern. By what mechanism might narcissism lead to criminal behavior? Above and beyond their motivation to aggress or exploit, is it arguably narcissists lack of empathy that allows them to enact their urges and devious plans? Without regard for others' feelings, narcissists have no real reason to curtail the behavior. As we have discussed earlier and in the last episode, low empathy is recognized as a feature of narcissistic personality disorder. And moreover, studies consistently show negative associations between trait narcissism and empathy. In turn, empathy relates inversely to aggressive and antisocial behavior which is add to offending, which is documented that empathy distinguished incarcerated young offenders from non-offenders better than self-reportive aggressive behavior and attitudes. 
Empathy is a core concern in understanding criminality and may play a role in explaining narcissists' antisocial actions. Empathy is defined as both the cognitive ability to understand people's perspectives and the affective tendency to respond to others by sharing their emotions or feeling compassion. It's this latter compassionist response that theoretically drives pro-social versus antisocial behavior. However, theoretical accounts of empathy hold that perspective taking may be prerequisite for experiencing compassion or effective empathy. Social behavior is effective sequentially by an individual differences in both perspective taking and compassionate tendencies. Research has linked narcissism either to deficits in both cognitive empathy and affective empathy, or to a deficit in affective empathy only. Similarly, offending has been linked variously to both cognitive empathy and affective empathy. So the specific nature of narcissism, empathy, offending link remains to be established. In the study conducted in 2013, they examined the roles of narcissism and empathy in distinguishing offenders from non-offenders. First, they compared the levels of narcissism in young men currently serving prison sentences to those with no history of criminal convictions. They hypothesized that narcissism levels would be higher among offenders. And they further examined whether clinical or trait narcissism statistically predicted offender status which components of narcissism played the strongest role. In doing so, they aimed to increase theoretical understanding of the nature of narcissism to identify the personality variable that can be used in screening procedures to target individuals likely to engage in offending behavior. Second, they focused on the role of empathy. They hypothesized that low empathy would mediate the link between narcissism and offending. They specifically examined whether this pattern was driven by A, cognitive empathy, B, affective empathy, or C, a sequential patterning leading from cognitive empathy to affective empathy. The goal was to pinpoint a focal mechanism for narcissistic tailored interventions. The results reveal that trait narcissism is more relevant than clinical narcissistic personality disorder symptoms, for distinguishing between young male offenders and young adult males with no history of criminal convictions. Thus, the antisocial consequences of trait narcissism extend to criminal acts. In particular, offender status was best predicted by the narcissistic element, the belief that one deserves more than others. This finding was consistent with the views of the entitlement as maladaptive component of trait narcissism. Further, it seemed that the entitlement is more maladaptive in the terms of antisocial behavior than is the narcissistic personality disorder symptomology. However, the other component of trace narcissism often labeled maladaptive exploitativeness did not relate to the offender status. Perhaps although manipulative behavior is socially undesirable, it is the sense of entitlement that makes an individual willing to break the law to get ahead. The findings also pertain to the blurry boundaries between clinical and subclinical narcissism, 
In particular, the findings imply that clinical narcissism, instead of being quantitatively, sorry, qualitatively, qualitatively distinct construct, may simply reflect the extreme end of a single dimension with entitlement of being most antisocial component. They further demonstrated that narcissism predicts offending via the sequential pathway of empathy deficits. High narcissism leads to low cognitive empathy, which leads to low affective empathy, which proximately leads to offender status. This pattern was again most robust for the narcissistic entitlement. These findings documented a highly antisocial consequence of trait narcissists' lack of empathy. They also identified a key personality variable that may precede low empathy as a risk factor for criminal behavior. Moreover, the findings clarified inconsistencies in the literature concerning the relative roles of cognitive and affective empathy. That is, in line with Batson and Ahmed in 2009, and Vrick and Vandermark's 2003 theorizing, lack of cognitive perspective taking accounts for narcissists' lack of empathetic concern for others, and thereby the risk of being in prison. Narcissistic entitlement was also directly associated with being in prison. Although lack of empathy gives the narcissist a green light to commit a criminal act, the initial feeling of deserving the best may also be a necessary ingredient for the narcissistic crimes. Hopefully future studies might clarify the contribution of the narcissistic entitlement and empathy over and above the more basic personality traits and identify additional mediators. For example, narcissists over positive expectations may lead them to underestimate chances of being caught. Alternatively, narcissist impulsivity may render them less able to resist opportunities for delinquent and criminal behavior. Nevertheless, Miller et al. in 2009 found that the link between trait narcissism and the range of self-defeating behaviors was mediated by low agreeableness and not impulsivity, which is consistent with the findings in the study and implies that empathy might play more important role than impulsivity. These findings have implications for practice. Where personality disorders are rare and the difficult and labor intensive to assess trait narcissism is common and easily measured using the narcissistic personality indicator. By screening for narcissism, social workers, educators, prison and probation staff, as well as psychologists can target interventions to individuals who are at risk of offending or reoffending. Different individuals may benefit from the different preventative and rehabilitative programs. And the findings of the study suggest that narcissists require interventions to increase empathy. Empathy-focused interventions are common in forensic settings, but their effectiveness is variable. Tailoring the content of the interventions to individuals based on their personality traits may increase the success rates. But of course, 
this proposal rests on the assumption that narcissists are capable of perspective taking and empathy. And recent evidence suggests that narcissists do actually do well at recognizing others' emotions and are able to respond empathetically to a distressed target person when forced to take their perspective. So narcissists are simply less inclined to perspective take, especially when doing so might prevent them from readily pursuing their self-serving goals. Interventions perhaps should focus on motivating narcissists to view situations and antisocial acts from others' perspectives before focusing their feelings on the concern for others. The link between the trait, narcissism and criminal behaviours is concerning, given the evidence for increasing narcissism levels. However, it is noteworthy that narcissism correlates positively with intrapersonal functioning, such as self-esteem and satisfaction with life. This, coupled with the extensive self-regulatory strategies that narcissists use to maintain illusions of superiority, makes narcissism self-sustaining and resistant to change. Without targeted interventions, narcissists are unlikely to respond to circumstances by changing their behavior. The findings in this study were preliminary and a call for further examination of trait narcissism in the context of offending. First, the data was cross-sectional. Priorities should include identifying causal links. Prospective research in adolescent samples indicates that the maladaptive narcissistic traits predict subsequent delinquency, and narcissistic personality symptoms predict subsequent criminal behavior, implying that trait narcissism causes offending. However, it's also plausible that incarceration might increase some narcissistic, narcissistic traits, yielding a bi-directional pattern and creating a vicious circle for narcissistic individuals. This possibility requires empirical scrutiny. Second, despite its validity, the Narcissistic Personality Index has psychometric limitations that are only partially addressed by the recent higher order models. Now that this has been have been pinpointed entitlement as the core element of narcissism relating to the offending future investigations and examinations should really include more robust measures such as the psychological entitlement scale to examine the link further Third, hopefully future studies might incorporate additional risk factors for offending, such as conduct disorder, substance abuse, or socioeconomic status. It would be especially useful if it could be examined the unique contribution of narcissism beyond the other dark personality traits, such as psychopathy and machismo. Given that these traits are also linked to low empathy, though they don't necessarily entail entitlement. Finally, this research focused only on men and sampled the community members to match the age range of the available prison sample. 
levels of both clinical and trait narcissism are typically higher in men than women, as I mentioned in the first episode. But with the ongoing rise in narcissism, women are fast catching up. In addition, evidence indicates that narcissism levels decrease with age. So hopefully future work and future studies then should extend the present findings to female offenders and maybe look at people in mid or late adulthood. Taken together though, the researchers in this study found that young men among young men, narcissistic entitlement and ensuring lack of empathy accounts for a higher likelihood of criminal behavior. And the research improves the understanding of most narcissistic personality disorder, narcissism, and the personality predictors of offending, and has the potential to inform practice. I'm pretty sure listeners you like myself found this research really fascinating and actually quite relatable because as i mentioned um earlier before i talked about the study in the last i'd say probably five to ten years we've been really hearing about narcissistic personality disorder and having it as come up come up as a mitigating circumstance for um, offenders in court So could this be the reason why the numbers of people who are being diagnosed or showing narcissistic traits is increasing because they're suddenly being diagnosed and people are more aware of it? Or is it something that is increasing because of society today? I can't help but think about the amount of times that I scroll through social media and how I see people such as influencers and think, oh, look at that, they've got the perfect life, they've got this, they've got that. But are they actually happy? Or sometimes can they be viewed as narcissists because that's all they're putting out is the perfect picture? But then I take a look at myself and I realise that what you see on social media is probably about 1% of someone's life. They're never going to show you the times when they're not feeling great. They're always going to show you good things. But I think this behavior of the age of the influencer has probably increased that narcissistic personality trait because younger people can see how easy that these other young people are getting money for just posting a picture. And could this possibly correlate with the increase in crime? I find the causal effects and the link between them really interesting. And it's something that really drives my knowledge and makes me hungry for a lot more and to learn so much more. My sources for this week were Psych Central, also the Sydney Morning Herald, and also it was the study by HEPA 2013, and it was on Running Press, but I'll post the link 
um, in the show notes so you can have a good read because it was a really good study and it was done in the University of Southampton which I actually know someone who is actually a master's student or was a master's student there. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Macabre for Mortals. If you have any questions, as I said, if you have any burning questions about any of the narcissistic behavior, or you would like me to cover anything in the last episode of this series, which I'm going to focus more on the victims of people who have been abused by someone who has had narcissistic tendencies. So if you do want to send me an email, then please email me at macabreformortals at gmail.com. Or if you want to send me a DM on Instagram, it's just macabre for mortals. Thank you very much for listening again. I hope you all have a great week and please stay safe. Bye.